How often do you find yourself looking in a mirror? Are you a one-and-done sort of person in the day? You get up in the morning, you look at the mirror once while you brush your teeth, and then you're off to the races for the rest of the day? Or maybe where I think most of us would fall is you're kind of constantly checking yourself out in the mirror. And I don't mean that to be a bad thing. I mean, we use the mirror for all sorts of good things. We got to check our teeth before a meeting. We got to make sure our hair isn't out of place. You know, those pesky hairs that always stick up. I, I got a cowlick in the back here that always gets me. And so before I'm going into a meeting or doing a recording like this, I'll, I'll make sure that's hopefully in place If we don't have a mirror, then maybe we go selfie mode on our phone and just make sure that we're all presentable. Maybe if you're like me, you go back and forth between having different days. I mean, one day I'll keep looking at my beautiful self in the mirror, and then there's another day where I'll get in the car and start pulling out of the driveway before I have to stop and realize that even though I've stood in front of several mirrors through the morning, I've never actually looked at myself. But no matter who you are, you of course have come to recognize that a mirror is a useful tool. While it's simply just a reflective surface that allows us to look back at ourselves, that provides us an opportunity to tend and care for the things that we might otherwise not see physically on our bodies. But today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at a spiritual mirror. As we continue on in the Sermon on the Mount, looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12, we're going to come to this place in Scripture that allows us to look at ourselves, to consider who we are and how we're fitting in with the kingdom of God. As we talked about last week, when we looked at our introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, we see that we're entering into a long series of teaching that Jesus provides for his followers to understand What's his kingdom like? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? How is God establishing his rule and reign here on earth? And in these verses, what we see is that Jesus starts to set up uh, an understanding of what it means to be approved in the kingdom of God. Today in chapter 5, verses 1 to 12, we'll be looking at the Beatitudes This word beatitude can be translated to the word blessed. Now, some people might think of the word blessed and think of it as sort of being happy or experiencing happiness. That's not so much, though, what we're trying to to get across when we hear this word or, or translate this word beatitude to blessed. When we think of it this way, we can think of it more as being approved of or to find approval in something. So when we're blessed by someone, we have their approval. They've acknowledged us as being someone who's right with them or who has achieved a certain characteristic or attitude that's desirable. And so right here off the bat, as we look at Jesus' teaching on his kingdom, we see there's a certain set of characteristics and attitude which are approved of and rewarded by God. And so I trust that you, like me, as a person who's trying to follow Jesus and live in his kingdom, will want to find a way of living, of being that lines up with what Jesus approves and what he rewards. And so before we can go any further, let's dive into these 12 verses, and then afterwards we'll use them as a mirror to show us where we're at with God and his kingdom. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. 
Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, as I sat down and was considering the Beatitudes this week, I I couldn't help but consider also how the world tells us that there's other things that are blessed. There's another way of being approved. And, and the two together stand in such a strong contrast. And so as we consider this scripture this morning as a mirror, what I thought we could do is, is look at the word of God for understanding what is blessed, but also use the opposite, the, the things that this world tells us to, to see how things in our life might be off off kilter, how they might not line up with the things of heaven. And so I hope that as we do that, we're able to to say, okay, am I fitting in here into what God wants, or are my attitudes, my actions, my desires more lining up with the world, and so that we can look at ourselves like we would in a mirror to see, hey, this is slightly out of place, so now I can I can get to work. And, and this morning, as we do that, we'll also take time to Invite the Holy Spirit in. We'll we'll seek the Holy Spirit to continue to work in us to help us line up more and more with the, the Beatitudes rather than what I'm calling, what the world calls approved, the things that are called the Beatitudes. So let's take a look at the Beatitudes and their corresponding Beatitudes and see where we can go from here. So the very first thing we see in verse 3 is that Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And while that's what Jesus says is approved in in his kingdom, we see that the world actually says, Blessed are those who are proud, for they will receive the acknowledgement of others. When we look at this phrase, the poor in spirit, what we're talking about is, is being humble in terms of our spiritual standing. The, the, the idea that we experience a poverty in the greater scheme of all things spiritual kind of gives us this idea that if we, you or I, are poor in spirit, we have come to this place where we've weighed spiritual things and we've looked at ourselves and we've looked at where God is and we see that, wow, we are in a really humble, we are in a a low standing compared to the God of the universe. And, and, And God tells us that when we recognize that, we end up experiencing the kingdom of heaven. 
Now that's totally different than what we're taught in the world. When we go out into the world, people say, hey, don't look down on yourself. Don't look at places where you might be ashamed. Instead, kind of put your chin up and shoulders back. Be, be proud of who you are. The, the world tells us that we shouldn't allow God and others to define us, but we should improve ourselves, essentially, and, and rise up to this place where as long as we're not committing a, a faux pas socially, that we should be able to go on living the lives that we want to live. But what Jesus says is he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that life you're living with, with that arrogance and attitude that, that you just own the place is actually a path towards destruction. It doesn't lead you into the inheritance that you so desperately want and need. The, the inheritance of entering into God's kingdom where his rule and reign is presently and where it will eventually be for the rest of eternity. This is why right before we read the Sermon on the Mount, we read about Jesus' summary teaching. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus wanted people to recognize where they were in relationship with God, that they were going their own way, not so that they would feel bad about themselves, not so that they would experience an overwhelming sense of shame which would make them kind of grovel around for the rest of their life. No, so that they would be able to turn and come into God's kingdom and to experience his love and peace, which leads us to kind of this next part, which is where Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And while Jesus is saying that, the world is actually saying, well, bless, no, 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 again, blessed are the self-content, for they don't experience pain. Because you see, as we start to look at, at our standing in relationship to God, it should bring us to this place where we recognize our personal sin. We recognize the places where we have gone against what God wants. We've fallen short of his standard. And, and out of that, we should realize, man, we've hurt God. We've totally rebelled against him. And that should bring this, this sense of grief to our lives. I mean, it's not that we're meant to go around miserable and downtrodden in life, but it's meant to bring us to this place where we recognize the, the, the blackness of our, our souls and our hearts and the purity of God in heaven. And we say, man, we want to get from where we are. We recognize our broken state and we want to be where he is. But our world, it says, you don't want to go there. In fact, everything in our world is designed to tell us to laugh, to celebrate, to party. As much as it tells us to be proud, it, it also tells us avoid anything else that might cause pain. And, and, and so to, to look at things with, with a, a, a position of mournfulness, to look at things with a position where we experience grief is, is something that we're supposed to avoid. The world says, no, 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 just use the power of positive thinking to, to frame everything in the right way so that you can be content with yourself and where you are and you don't have to worry about anything else. But again, what Jesus is coming to us and saying is, no, you, you've recognized your position and so we enter into this place of mourning to this emotional uh, state that we, we come into uh, of knowing that we've gone against Jesus. And there we will find the blessing of, of, of coming into his kingdom because it tells us that he will comfort us as we come in. 
And then he, he brings this a, li- a little bit further along. Jesus in verse 5 says, Then blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And, and so what's happening here is this word meek is, is not trying to identify weakness. It's not trying to show someone who's a slave or subservient. Sometimes that's what people think meekness is. They think of just this timid, quiet little mouse that kind of scurries away from any big old cat. No, this, this meekness, that's not what the word means. Meekness isn't wishy-washy. It's not indecisive. It's not this place where it's just uh, an enslaved person. A person who is meek is someone who controls their desires so that they can see the interests or the advancement of someone or something else come to fruition. What the world tells us by contrast is that we're supposed to live our lives grabbing everything that we can for ourselves. Try to, try to consume everything that you can that, that fills you up and makes you feel good. Try to get yourself further ahead than anyone else. The world says, blessed are those who pursue what they want for they will get what they desire. But Jesus says, no, 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 you're, you're missing out. You're missing out. You're missing out on pursuing more of what I want because what I want doesn't just bring you a little bit of temporary joy and happiness, but instead it brings more of my kingdom, which brings a greater influence, a greater impact, more blessing, not just to you, but to others. And so when we are meek, when we seek the advancement of God's kingdom, because we've recognized our relationship with him, we've come to this place where we've acknowledged that we need to turn towards him, then we begin to inherit the, the earth, he says, what we truly desire, the, the wonderful fruit that comes on our earth, the good things that we so desire. And Jesus then just continues rolling. He goes in. Verse 6, Blessed are those then who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And again, we just we see here in, in these first four Beatitudes that, that Jesus is just taking things from, from one level to the next level to the next level to the next. And, and so here we come to this place where he's saying, what I want you to do is, is to come to this place where you hunger and thirst for what's right in the eyes of God. God says he blesses those who, who come to a place where just as much as we would seek water when we're thirsty, just as much as we would seek a meal when we're hungry, that we seek God's goodness and what's right with him in all circumstances. And when we seek that, we become filled. All of our needs are met. Again, the world says that's silly. The world says, don't hunger for that. That's not what puts you on top of the food chain. But instead, blessed are those who have everything because they're superior. They end up on top. It says, gain whatever your heart desires because then you will know you've truly arrived. But Jesus, he pushes back. In these first four beatitudes, in these first four blessings, he says, what I want you to come to is a place where you get what you need more than anything else. 
I want you to come to a place where your spiritual needs are met because the, the needs the world is telling you to fulfill are needs that are, are material, they're temporary. When, when you hunger for certain things, you're just going to hunger for more of them. Later on in, in, in Scripture, we read how Jesus says, I am the water that will thirst, that will quench all thirst. I am the bread that will fill any longing of hunger that you have. Jesus comes not so that we have this never-ending treadmill of, of consumption that we're trying to gain for ourselves. Never will we have this place where we're striving for our own achievement, accomplishment, placement, but instead would we be humble people? Would we recognize that we can't do it on our own and in that would we be satisfied knowing that God has come near to comfort us to bring us peace to bring us in to his kingdom so that we could inherit all that we would have so as you think of these four beatitudes to start I just want you to ask are the things that you're hungering for are the things that you're trying to accumulate for yourselves, things that, that represent the world? Or are you striving out of a place of pride? Are you just seeking a, a place of self-contentment or superiority? Or is what you're chasing after the things that, that God desires? Do you recognize your place before him? Have you come to a place where you are broken and you grieve over your sin? Have you come to a place where you put his ways over your ways in every arena of life? Chances are, if you've yet to choose to follow Jesus, your life will look a lot like this never-ending treadmill that the world tells you to chase after. But let me tell you, well, you might get on that treadmill for a while and feel satisfied. You will come to the end only to realize that you've led yourself to a place of destruction. Your vanity, your pride, your sense of self-assuredness will leave you empty. You will fail you. I know when I look to myself, I know that I find failure over and over again. But what God does is he comes in and he says, I will not fail and I will provide the blessing that you so desperately need. Jesus came to tell us, yes, we fall sh short of God's standard, but he has come and he came so that he could live a perfect life, so he could die on a cross, so that we could receive the forgiveness that, that, that we need out of this place of recognizing our position with him. And, and he came not just to, to bring us a little bit, to, but to bring us the earth, to bring us into his kingdom that would be full of goodness, love, peace, hope, joy, contentment, not just for a moment, but for eternity. So don't go another day without recognizing who you are and without turning to Jesus to thank him for who he is and what he has accomplished. For those of us who have been following Jesus for a while now, let us not, though, look at these four Beatitudes and just come to a place where we say, well, no, I, I recognize that I'm beneath God and I've come and asked for for the forgiveness of my sin and I'm going to try to follow Jesus and just leave it there. Because let's be honest, if you're like me, there's a lot of times where you jump back on the throne of your own life. 
You end up saying, yeah, I was following God's worldview, but today I like my view a little bit better. There's times where I forget who I am in comparison to God, and I actually decide, you know what, I'm going to chase after these things that I desire rather than the things that he desires. And so when we come to this, we look at this as the mirror to show us maybe some places that aren't fully out of whack, but places that are enough out of alignment that it doesn't bring us into the approval of what God wants from the citizens of his kingdom. So where is there a place where maybe you need to become more poor in spirit? What's a sin that you've stopped mourning? Where's a place that you've lacked the passion and the desire to see God advance in your life or in the world? Where do we need to see more of God's kingdom come in our life as it is in heaven? But that's just four verses. It goes on. And I know this is difficult, but I want us to continue on into these next four because I think these take us from not just the the inward reality, but to a little bit more of the outward reality. That's the thing I love about what Jesus does in his teaching. He, He talks to us in our completeness. And so let's continue looking at four more areas where we hope to experience the the blessing of God and the reward for living as he wants his people in his kingdom. In verse 7, we read, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Think about that. How, how, how often do you live with mercy? Do you live more with mercy, or do you live often more with a little bit of vengefulness in your heart? I think we live in a world where most of us are driven towards seeking what we think is right, or, or getting what's ours, or getting payback from people. I mean... How many times have you been driving in traffic and, and someone cuts you off and at bare minimum you just kind of lay on the horn because it just makes you feel a little bit better? How many times have maybe, and maybe you don't want to admit this with whoever you're watching with, but you've driven by and you've cut back in front of the person and hit your brakes just to get a little bit more? Have you ever found yourself, when you've had that coworker that got success, the approval from the boss because of the success of some project, you've, you've gone and thought about, how can I end up making them look bad so that I look a little bit better? We live in a world where that's just sort of the normative way about being. But Jesus says, that's not the way with my kingdom. My kingdom is all about being merciful to those who don't deserve mercy. It's about showing love and kindness to those who don't show love and kindness to us. Look at Jesus' relationship with us. I mean, he came to die on the cross for our sins. When we're actively rebelling against him, he says, I love you and I want you to be part of my kingdom. Let's not misunderstand this. I think sometimes people read this verse and they become really legalistic. Well, God's setting a standard and if, if I'm this merciful, he'll actually let me into heaven. That, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, once you're in my kingdom, what I want you to do is recognize you're at the halfway point. You've already received mercy from me for, for your forgiveness and so you should express mercy, love, and kindness to others. But also remember that you continue on in life and you need more love and more forgiveness and more mercy. And out of the recognition of who you are, you should show mercy in tangible ways to those people who are around you. 
when you think about your approach towards other people, I mean, there's the people that you know and you love and, and you express the kindness to them because that's just what you do, but, but think about those other people. I mean, you can probably think about somebody, maybe you can think about somebody who, who's just that person and you go, yeah, I'll, I'll show mercy to everyone but that person. There's that one person who, oh, I just, mm. Do you have that person? Well, if you have that person, you need to come to this and see what God truly desires from you. Maybe this is the reflection where you see, hey, the world tells me this and that's what I'm looking at. And you need to come before God and ask him to begin to work on your life and in your heart to, to come to a place where you will show love and kind and mercy even to those who don't deserve it out of this recognition that God has done the same for you. A sinner who won't face up to their sins will hate all other sinners. So this beatitude forces us to ask the question, do I recognize my helplessness, my mess, and will I extend that love and kindness I've received to others? From there, Jesus challenges us with these words. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Again, such a stark contrast to the world because our world says actually blessed are the pleasure seekers for they will have the best time. I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes it's easy to fall into this trap of, of thinking about my pleasure over anything else. It's easy for me to pursue the pleasures that I just want to experience because I want a really great time. And it's not that God says, I don't want you to have pleasure, but he wants you to acknowledge that oftentimes the pleasure that we pursue that's outside of his kingdom is destructive. It wreaks havoc. The world invites us to, to come to pleasure that's derived from impure places. The world says it's okay to be greedy because it means you're going to have wealth and resources. It's okay to lust because it means that you're going to get to experience physical or emotional satisfaction. It's okay to live with pride because it means you're going to feel good as you stroke your own ego. But Jesus says, yeah, you know what? There are these things that are going to fill those temporary cravings, but at the end of the day, that's never going to meet you in the most fulfilling way. Again, he comes back to this idea of fulfillment. He says, and he acknowledges that, that God is pure. He's holy. He's set apart. He's distinct. And the only way to come before him is to be pure and holy ourselves. If we long to meet with God and have him fulfill the deepest desires of our heart and soul, then we too must seek what is right with him in everything. This isn't about outward conformity to rules. This is about what is going on in our hearts and minds as we seek what we want for our lives. As you look in the mirror of this scripture, do you see someone who constantly goes after whatever you know, fills their fancy no matter what? Or do you see someone who's willing to abstain from certain practices or, or habits in order to remain pure in heart so that you may draw closer to God, who truly is the one who meets all those mental, mental emotional, relational needs that we have? Jesus continues, Blessed also are the peacemakers, for they will be called children. Of God. 
think this one's pretty self-explanatory for many of us. And as we continue to think about what these things are all leading us towards, it, it talks about this idea of keeping peace so that we would be known, our identity would be made as children of God. I think there's a lot of us who live in the way the, the world lives, which is blessed are the powerful for they will make history. We say, yeah, I could keep peace, but you know what I could do? I could just leverage this little bit of power to get to be the person who, who sits on top, who gets to be the person who writes history. We know when a war happens, the winning side gets to write the history books. And in the same way, we, we actually might think that's sick, but we live that way. We go, well, if, if I go to the top, even if it means you know hurting a couple people along the way or, or stepping on others to, to get that step up, it's okay because I will be able to tell the great story of rising above and the reality is the reason many of us do that is because we're searching for an identity that we have placed as as needing power to get there but it, it's the place of fulfillment for us for, for how we can define ourselves you see it often in people who, who desire for, for, for high positions in, in places of business, but it also happens in homes where, where people will, will be powerful over children or spouses and partners, and, and they do that so that they will be a feared and respected father, mother, husband, or wife. And, and when you look at that, you think, well, what was the cost to get there? You might have some acknowledgement so long as you have power, but is that who you truly want to be? Jesus says that that should not be so. The people who have the identity of the children of God are those who make peace. We see Jesus as God's firstborn son who came as fully God and fully man lived as a peacemaker. He came to make peace between his people and himself. So when you look at yourself and you look at your identity and how you will achieve this picture of who you want to be, what way do you think of accomplishing it? Are you a peacemaker or are you a power broker? These are questions for us to consider. And as we arrive at verse 10, we read that Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, the world says, Blessed are the popular, for everybody loves them. We know that, we live that. You know, the easy way in life is to do the things that make you popular. It's to do the things that the world say line up. It's to do all these things that we've talked about as we, we seek approval from the world. But Jesus says, you know what? There's going to be persecution and you're going to be blessed because of it. Because again, this is sort of the sandwich to the whole Beatitudes because we will uh, inherit the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, he, he, he doesn't, dismiss the pain he doesn't dismiss the suffering in verse 11 and 12 he says blessed are you when people insult you persecute you falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me he says rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven you're going to have a choice as you look yourself in this mirror you're gonna see these places where you line up 
with the kingdom. You're going to see other places where you're going to go, man, there is some things out of place. There's some things I don't like there. And, and it, the, the honest truth is it's going to hurt to, to start to conform to this. There's going to be people in the world who, who won't understand it. They'll say, why are you living like that? That doesn't make any sense. Why, why do you chase after God? And that, That's just a crutch because you can't get ahead. There's going to be people who, who will call you names, who will persecute you in all sorts of different ways. There's going to be opportunities where maybe you're going to be passed up for a job offer or something else because someone else was taking credit and you chose not to get revenge. There's going to be these times, but God says the people of my kingdom will not succeed if they chase after the things of the world, but those who will receive the great reward of my presence, of my love, of my forgiveness, of my identity, of all the things that they will experience for eternity, those people will be the people who live in a different way. So as you hold up the mirror today, would you lean into that promise? The promise that Jesus gives that no matter how much it hurts, no matter the lumps, bumps, and scars that are there now, that he can reshape you to do an incredible thing. Why don't we just take just a moment, and I just want to invite you, wherever you're at, to just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. Maybe where's the one thing, the one place that's most out of line with, with where God is calling me, and ask the Holy Spirit to begin to work on that in your life. Let's do that through prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your willingness to to. to to prompt us through your word, through your spirit. God, I thank you for the fact that you have brought your kingdom near, that you have established a way for us to live, to experience more of you. God, I pray that we would see the places that we are out of line with you. And God, as we, we do that, would we lean into your promise that you have given us your Holy Spirit to, to nudge us and direct us, to reshape us. God, we acknowledge that there might be some pain in that, but that, that pain is worth it to experience your great reward. Heavenly Father, would you help us to live more and more with the characteristics that you have. Jesus, would we begin to look more and more like you? Holy Spirit, would we begin to trust you more and more in this process? So reveal to each of us right now, where can we live more with your approval? Where can we work to, to see more of your kingdom come in our lives? Thank you for revealing that to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we look at these things and into the mirror, I, I know that it can be painful. I mean, I, I, I know what it looks like to see the lumps, the bumps, the scars, the, the painful places. I, I know what it looks like and feels like to chase after the things of the world and, and feel the immediate gratification of that. And I, I know that sometimes that deters us, but I also want to encourage us that that what we go through to get to the place where God wants us is so worth it. I want to share a story, and I, I've shared it before, but I think it's worth sharing again. And it's, it's my story of coming to a place where I recognized who I was before God, and that allowed me to, to walk through a situation in order to receive more of God's peace and comfort in my life. 
when I was in elementary school, I had a teacher who was very verbally and actually physically abusive towards me. And it was quite a scarring experience to have that teacher for a couple of years. Fast forward a number of years, and I was working at a summer camp. Then during the year, uh, what we would do is we would invite school band groups to come in and, and have rehearsal spaces and sort of a retreat. And I remember one day, as I was uh, prepping one of the groups, I was sort of in charge of bringing the groups together and helping their leaders be oriented towards camp. And I remember as, as the group walked in, there was this teacher from my elementary school days. And I remember seeing him and something just welled up in me. I mean, I, I just was blind, full of rage and hurt and anger. And, and I just couldn't deal with it. I remember walking away. I told one of my coworkers, hey, go help this group. And they're kind of confused, but they went and did it. But later on, uh, the next day, I, I come to this place and I'm walking down the hallway. And there's this teacher sitting at, at one of these little, a little table that we had in the hallway doing some marking and I thought to myself inside, this is my moment. This is my chance to get, get what's mine. This is my moment to, to come back at this individual. I, I'm bigger than him now. I'm, the, I'm in the place of authority here. I can come in in this moment. And I just remember being struck by God in that moment. As I approached him, God just nudged my heart. He said, that's not what I want from you. He reminded me that this place uh, that I was in was... Was, was not a place because of God. In fact, God had taken me from bringing a broken person who didn't know him to bringing me life. And in the same way, he wanted me not to go after this man, but to be able to, to bring an opportunity of life to him. And so as I sat down, I remember I almost didn't even know what I was doing. I, I, I was suddenly brought to this place where where things were, were different. And I started to talk to, to this teacher. I'm like, do you know who I am? And frankly, he didn't even really remember and, and he ended up sharing some things that had gone on in his life and how he was in a broken place and, and all this kind of thing. And, and, and I just came to this place where I, I didn't even know what I was saying, but I just said the words, I forgive you. I told him a little bit about the story, about what my experience was like, and I said, I'm not asking you to, to apologize. I'm not asking you to come to this place where, where you have to say a certain thing or do a certain thing. I just need you to know that I forgive you because of what's gone in, on in me. I remember that was the end of the conversation. I just got up and I walked away, but as I walked away, I felt this weight come off my shoulders. I felt that suddenly God had done something in my life where he allowed me freedom from something that hurt so long. When we step into these blessed promises of God, he, he holds on to us. He guides us through it and he allows us to experience the freedom that comes with it. So I'd encourage you, your story might not be like mine, but there's a story that God wants to do where he takes you from a place where you are broken and out of alignment with his kingdom, and he wants to bring you to a place where you can experience more of the freedom and goodness and love and grace that he would have for you. He wants to shape your identity in a new way, and he wants to bring you life, and it will be life to the full. So as you hold up that mirror, I hope that you are encouraged this week to see more of God's kingdom come 
and will be done in your heart, soul, and mind as it is in heaven. Heavenly Father, holy is your name. Will more of your kingdom come? Will more of your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven? Thank you for this mirror to see what we so desperately need. And will you bring life to us and light to us? Will you provide us exactly what we need today? Heavenly Father, will you forgive us where we've gone wrong against you, where we've gone in a way that's prideful and arrogant and self-assured and missing, lining up with your standards? And, And will you bring us forgiveness exactly where we are so we can embrace more of that kingdom? And God, as we do that, would you help us to forgive those who have gone against us? God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you accomplished. God, I want to see more of your kingdom come, more of your will be done. Lord, help us to fight the temptation that will come in front of us as we lean into this. Protect us from your enemy. And God, would that all be accomplished for your great glory. And we pray this with assurance in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.